Welcome to another episode of Rough Talk VR, a weekly podcast with in-depth game reviews, exclusive developer interviews, and the latest Oculus Quest news. We join our hosts, D Scruffles and Stratus2k1 today as they spend another episode breaking down and discussing the Oculus Quest virtual reality world. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Rough Talk VR. Today we get to talk to another talented developer. Uh, his name is never, Tom. Never a dull moment talking to developers. No, selfishly. I mean, I don't know how the listeners feel, but selfishly, these are my favorite episodes. Yep, we I was going to go down that road, but yeah, you are correct. Yeah, we get the insight knowledge on what actually goes down behind the scenes. Uh, you know, what it's like to develop a game. Selfishly for us as gaming fans, we, we say you play a game, we go, I want this, I want that. Uh, this complaint, that complaint, or this praise. But we don't really know what went into it. So yeah. being able to talk to these developers and really figure that out. Ooh, selfishly, I love this. So today we're talking to a very talented developer, a guy who's kind of always up on whatever new, new stuff Oculus is pushing out. Uh, his name is Thomas Van Bowell, and he's developer of the highly popular puzzle game, Cubism. So uh, Thomas, do you mind to uh, introduce yourself a little bit to our, our listeners? And in case you know they haven't listened to our episode of Cubism or they've never played the game. Can you tell us just a little bit about what your game is? Yeah, of course. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Um, so my name is Thomas, um, and I'm a VR developer, uh, and I make a puzzle game called Cubism. Um, and so Cubism is, um, like a, a short description, um, is that it's basically a, a simple puzzle game where you put uh, puzzle pieces into a shape that gets more and more complex as you sort of uh, uh, go along in the game. Um, and so it starts with very simple shapes, uh, just like squares and rectangles, and then gets into more and more complex shapes uh, as you go further along. Um, so it really sort of applies to your spatial thinking skills. Um, so uh, I myself have been uh, working in VR uh, since 2016. Um, I actually have a background in architecture originally, but I, I made the switch to VR because I was really interested in what that could do in sort of the arch architectural space. Um, so I worked for a startup that was making software for architects and engineers um, in VR for about four years. Uh, but Cubism was sort of a, a hobby project at first uh, that I started in 2017. And it just sort of started taking up more and more of my time. And then after I released it, I, uh, after a few months, went full time on the game and have been sort of updating it ever since. So. so this this also was a, I mean, this has been around for a while because we've actually been told by a developer this was one of their one of yeah their favorite games one of their favorite inspirational kind of helped motivate them to the oh my god i didn't even know you could do this in vr so i mean you've you've laid some serious <laughs> groundwork i usually we wait a little while to ask this question but i want to get right to it but how big is the actual i mean are you a one-man development team mm -hmm. yeah that's that's correct uh it's yeah, it's oh, just me. <laughs> which that, for that, for the type of game, it it's also that was very deliberate, right? Um, so Cubism is like a very minimal game. Um, it's it's just a sort of empty space with just a puzzle in front of you. Um, and when I started it, I very much intended it for it to be a weekend project, something I could do in my spare time. So that's why I also deliberately scoped it small like this. So um, it was designed to be able to be <laughs> a one man project, basically. No, that that's awesome. And uh, you mentioned that you've been developing in VR since 2016. Was that your introduction to, to game design, or have you been a game developer much longer than that? No, it definitely was. Um, sort of VR kind of came first, and sort of games kind of came with it because there was so much overlap. Um, so as I mentioned before, I was a, an architect, but I, I was very interested in um, 
sort of interactive software and, and being able to use those things to like visualize buildings and things like this. Um, so like my interest in games came very natural from that. Um, and wanting to move into VR and wanting to learn how to develop for VR, um, I found that like making games and participating in game jams and sort of involving myself in, in the game development community was a really good way to to learn, you know, to learn Unity, to learn VR, um, which was all stuff that I was able to apply to my job back then. Um, so, and yeah, that was an interest that sort of stayed with me for a long time, just because I, yeah, there's so many interesting people in the, the um, sort of indie game dev community, and there's so much you can learn from, from interacting with them and working with them that, yeah, um, Cubes of Us First was just like a good excuse to sort of stay involved <laughs> with uh, with the game dev community, but it sort of spun out of, out of hand, you know, so, <laughs> and now, now I'm a full-time game dev, accidentally, so. <laughs> no, well, congrats on that, because that's a, you know, when... Somebody can do something full time that they actually loved. It's just funny an architect from architect. And now that when you said architect and now I'm thinking of all the pieces and no, like, it makes right, complete sense. Yep, things are starting to come together <laughs> kind of better from the mindset, but yeah, I, I hardly would refer to it as a weekend project. <laughs> There's some complexities, some complexities involved with, you know, yeah, it's pieces and spatial area, but it's got to work. It's, 360 degree rotational i mean yeah a whole bunch of different puzzles so like something i always love we've we've covered a lot of different puzzle games on this podcast and something i always love to ask you know the the developers of these puzzle games is if you were to play this game from start to finish oh yeah how long would it take (laughs) you to finish all the puzzles because me (laughs) man i I need i need the biggest battery pack possible if i'm gonna try to do that (laughs) in one session does it take you I mean, 30 minutes, a couple hours? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only because I know the solutions for most of them. Um, some of them I've forgotten, so I might get stuck on, on some of them. Uh, but <laughs> probably the, the first volume I could probably uh, do in maybe 30, 40 minutes, maybe less. Uh, it kind of depends. Um, I think the second volume, uh, I know the puzzles a little less well or a little less by heart, you know? So <laughs> maybe maybe it might be something similar as well, just uh, as I'm sort of trying to figure out, there's less puzzles in the second volume, right? But uh, um, but yeah, the, the range of the amount of time people spend solving these puzzles has been really, really broad, you know? Um, I think the fastest time on record for the first volume was about two and a half hours, maybe? Um, and this was also the first person to, like, on record solve all those puzzles. But um, But I've also seen people spending, you know, upwards of 10 hours on just the first volume, so it's it really depends. Oh, you definitely get your definitely get your money's worth, but you're going to have to do some thinking. I mean, I I made that clear in the <laughs> podcast that it's not, you know, it starts off they grease you nice and smooth, get you feeling good about yourself, throw another little dimension at you, a couple of <laughs> other pieces that are and then change it even more on you and yeah, you're you're thinking. Well, something I'll give you a, a you know, a lot of credit for is th- the atmosphere in the game it's very relaxing oh definitely you know, it's meditative chill. so it's it's not like a game even if you can't get the puzzle right you're not going to sit there and get frustrated because you have the nice calming music you have the environment you know you don't get the anxiety yeah. so no, something i that. loved is is that when you finish you know one of the sets in the volume you get that nice little you know musical piece to go along with that was that was that you designing the the music with that too or did you uh, did you outsource yeah, that? yeah yeah so, so I did have help with uh, the music. Um, uh, I contracted a pianist, um, Salia Wong, and she recorded all the, the backgrounds. 
music that plays as you're sort of solving the puzzles. Um, but I did uh, write the the piece that sort of plays as you solve the puzzles. Um, so maybe just to like explain how it works um, uh, for your listeners, like um, every puzzle that you uh, solve has a, a number of pieces and every piece has a note associated to it. And so once you solve the, the puzzle, um, you uh, hear this chord that's sort of comprised of all these notes. And then the sequence of all these chords is a puzzle that, that you hear as you sort of, uh, sort of solve uh, a volume. Um, and so because it's so tied to the design of those puzzles, um, I ended up like writing the song that sort of goes with that. But I did um, get Salia to sort of record it because I can, I can maybe write like a simple song, but I can definitely not record it, you know, cleanly. Like it would take me way too long to like do that properly. So I was very happy to, to work with her uh, on, on that. Well, definitely a creative approach though. I know that it, for some reason, when you discovered that you got pretty friggin' excited about it. Yeah. It gave me incentive to finish that set. You know, it's not just you finish the puzzle and now, you know, sl- you move know, on. little, yeah. little small golf <clears throat> clap and I'll move on. Like you said, you get a nice, nice little, little music to it. So, um, nice. what inspired this game? You know, what, what made you go the route of a puzzle game, a nice relaxing meditative game? What, yeah. Um, so as I, as I mentioned, like, um, I was really interested in being able to work on a game that was small enough in scope so that it could be sort of a hobby project, um, for, you know, at first at least. Um, and I was really fascinated by minimal design in mobile games. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, mini Metro or, um, Lara Croft Go or, or, uh, Monument Valley, you know, these like games that are, very simple in looks and sometimes very simple in interaction, but are still you know, able to provide a lot of depth. Um, and I was just really interested in what a minimal game could look like in VR. Um, you know, what is a gameplay type that makes the most of the medium, but is you know, just simple uh, and pared down enough to just be about the gameplay? Um, because that seemed like something that would be manageable <laughs> you know, for, for one person uh, on the weekends. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of the the start of it, um, and I sort of prototyped it at first over a weekend, like a very first prototype. It just had all the basic interactions and just like three puzzles, and you could still put all the pieces in the puzzles, and that was it. Um, but it was enough to sort of um, uh, prove to myself, like, okay, this is a simple concept that um, is fun to play, um, and it was enough that I could like show it to other people and see if they were having fun as well. Um, so yeah, it was really the idea was just making, you know, finding some sort of simple gameplay type that I could uh, work into a game um, that I, I was able to, to do in, in the weekends on my own. Well, simple definitely work because it still holds a 4.8, I think a 4.8 in the store from the time we reviewed it to now it's held the 4.8 and it has gotten a handful of more, we'll say very positive reviews and, um, actual posted reviews. So, I mean, the, the feedback on it's just been tremendous. And again, I mean, early on when we started hearing developers be like, oh no, you guys, you guys got to talk to the guy who did cubism. He's, he's the guy that got me like just the ability to know that certain things that I get, and I'm not a developer, so I don't think like one, but it, it, I think it was just one of those light bulb moments where his brain realized, oh shit, this is the level we're at. This is where what we can and can do, and it was able to progress him to actually do his venture. So I mean, it's just it's amazing what foundations get laid and where it comes from from other people. So I mean, to me, you're like one of the OGs then in the in the VR community <laughs> for real. I mean, because oh, that's you, so you, nice. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's it's the biggest compliment you can get as a developer. I think if if other people also start developing or get excited about game developments um, because of something you've made, is uh, I mean, I couldn't be be happier than you know about that. And it's definitely when I first started and started going to game jams and didn't really feel like oh I, I can never make the switch to to VR or to game development. Um, being able to go to game jams and talk to other developers who were making their own things like that that sort of was what inspired me and, and got me started, you know? So it's. Yeah, no, that that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and uh, so what was your first experience in VR as well? Game wise, like what was that? Everybody has that first experience that they, they don't forget, you know, they tried out VR and they yeah, never yeah. forget it for you. What was that first experience? Um, my very first VR experience was on a DK one, uh, a roller coaster. <laughs> so uh, it was not great. I mean, it was great, and I was also sick for two hours. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, it it did sort of sell me on okay, VR is is something that's really interesting and that could be really useful. Um, and the first sort of experience developing for VR for me was um, Google Cardboard. You know, like uh, very simple, but still like very accessible to just start playing around in Unity and and start putting stuff on my phone and looking at it in VR. Um, but I think the the very first game that I played in VR where I felt like, oh, like VR game design can be really interesting was probably um, Pixel Rifts, like the original demo of Pixel Rifts, um, which came out on, on DK2 at first, I think, um, which I don't, have you guys played this, this game? That no. I have not. Pixel Rift? No, no. Oh yeah. It's, it's like a really cool game where um, you play as this kid in school and you're trying to play like a game on a Game Boy. But you're trying to hide it from the teacher, so um, basically you're sort of trying to pay attention in class, but also like sneakily game on, on this gaming system. Um, and so they had, um, like, the developer had this uh, demo of this game on DK2 back in 2015, I think. And that was, I remember, the first um, VR demo that I thought, like, oh, this is really designed for VR, and this is really making use of the medium so well. Um, so that was definitely the first. Um, like really memorable VR experience I had, I think. Yeah. So you guys had the luxury of my, my experience due to, I knew better to, to get the like cardboard phone type VR thing. I tried one of those, I think for 30 seconds and was like, this thing sucks. But once the affordability, and that's why I kind of jumped all over the quest when it dropped, it was because this is like VR for everybody. I don't need a $3,000 high end computer and, Yep, that was always stuff. that was always my limitation. I always wanted VR. I always watched videos on it. I always, you know, stayed up to date on it, but just couldn't afford the luxury of good VR. Mm-hmm. So it's like once the quest yeah. dropped, that's when I really got to experience it. Yeah, so we we lucked out on like a lot of this earlier stuff, or even yeah, some I, of the higher end ones that I still to this day haven't tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I admit it. You know, the the quest has fed my appetite and. I'll stay with it, I guess. So uh, was this your first game you ever designed as well? Uh, or were there some failed projects along the way? Oh, that's a good oh uh, no, it's, it's definitely not the first game. Um, so as I mentioned, I've, I've been doing a lot of game champs um, before I started with, uh, with Cubism. Um, but it's the first game that I've launched commercially. But before Cubism, I um, also worked uh, with another team on a game called Panoptic. Um, which ended up being released uh, commercially as well on, on Steam. Um, I did sort of a, a drop out of the team um, uh, after about a year or two of development. 
Um, just because I, I, at the time I had moved countries and it became a bit difficult to sort of uh, do a lot of work on, on uh, this game, uh, you know, properly. Um, but the team sort of carried on and, and has released that game on Steam um, and they did a really good job of it. Um, so uh, so I have worked on different projects as well and one of them that has also released. Um, but for the most part, it's been a lot of like game jams and small prototypes and things like that. So. So I'm, I'm going to ask the million dollar question. Are we going to be looking forward to more puzzle games from you in the future? I mean, <laughs> I, the <Maybe>. success <laughs> of the game is too good. Yeah. Right. It's too good to ignore. <laughs> so it's like, or, or are you just going to keep building more expansion packs onto cubism? That could be, well, uh, <laughs> so, so, um, for cubism, uh, one thing I still am working on and, and which I am excited to put out there at some point is a level editor. So um, so already there's the ability in the game to sort of mod your own levels. Um, like back in, in uh, last October, I think, um, I, uh, no, actually, back uh, almost, uh, the first update after I launched the game was actually the ability to sort of um, mod your own puzzles and sort of sideload them into the game. Um, and I even like published uh, the JSON formats that the puzzles uh, are in, so sort of the, the, the code format by which you can define your own puzzles. Um, but so it's very unintuitive to make these things. So one thing I've been working on is this level editor in VR, uh, where you're able to sort of draw and design your own puzzles. Um, whether I'll like build an actual like backend for people to like share puzzles uh, online and stuff, I'm not quite sure about that just yet. Um, but I do want to put this level editor out there in some form, like either as a separate application or as like a beta branch so that people can design their own puzzles and start exchanging them through side loading, you know, in the same way you would uh, do with uh, like Beat Saber custom maps or something like that. I'm I'm actually scared to oh, what, see like, what, because <laughs> I, I know how the community <laughs> is with stuff when you, you give people a little bit and then they can next level it. So I'm actually a little scared to see what people would actually come out with. Oh, but, but that's no why I'm also it. not like, committing to oh. a backend for it or like a way for people to share it. Cause I'm like, uh, I'm not sure I want to moderate, you know, everything that people might draw in there, but, uh, but for people to have the, the ability to make their own puzzles, I think it's, it's pretty exciting. So. Oh, wow, I think that huge. would, that would extend the replayability of this through the roof. Yeah. You know? That's my you, only problem with puzzle games and especially ones that are, I'll say the more challenging once I finish it, I feel like I accomplished so much to get to that point that I'm almost not willing to put myself through it again, even though <laughs> I'm, I'm not an idiot. I mean, you give someone a hundred puzzles, there's no way I'm going to remember every single one. Yeah. So even, even, you know, even Thomas here, you didn't, you said you don't remember every single one, right? And right. you developed the Fair game. Enough. He made, <laughs> he made the game, you know? So it's like, <laughs> sometimes the, the struggle can be a little, so yeah, anything for replayability to me is. You know, that's why I get excited when I see games drop updates or. Yeah, but he referenced something I didn't even think about, which would be maybe the shapes that people draw. Maybe they would draw some inappropriate things that that might be. Yeah, there's a few I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) You can let the imagination go there. but Uh, No, that would be that would be a huge feature. And besides that, are you planning more expansion Mm -hmm. packs or you just kind of, you know, Um, I mean, hey, in terms of. yeah, yeah. I don't know if our, our, our viewers know this about you. I've referenced it a couple of times. Uh, if there's like, you know, Christmas stuff going on, you know, you're on top of that. You know, they, they're launching like pass through features. You know, you're on top of playing with that. So you're a developer who's not just sitting back and, you know, raking in the the, the rewards of their game or anything like that. You're constantly <laughs> honing your skills, you know, whatever uh, developer updates Oculus are pushing through. You're like one of the first people I see posting videos on Twitter, 
uh, you know, hey, check out this, what I'm doing. So no, very involved developer. Yeah. yeah. So, so besides the, you know, sharing other or not, not sharing, but creating your own maps, uh, are you working on anything else specifically for cubism or just kind of playing around, mm-hmm. honing your skills with, you know, the new stuff Oculus is rolling out? Yeah. I mean, so that's sort of the neatest thing about Quest, isn't it? Like uh, this piece of hardware is just getting better and better with like software updates and getting these whole other cap- capabilities to like hand tracking and, and pass through recently. Um, so the, the accidental nice thing about cubism is because it's a simple game, it's like um, a bit easier to put these new new you know capabilities in there. Um, also just because there's not necessarily a lot going on uh, visually. So there's a little bit of uh, performance uh, bandwidth, you know, left to, to do things like 120 Hertz or, uh, you know, pass through and hand tracking and stuff like this. Um, so it's just, it's a fun game to like experiment with these things. And because there's not, it's like a simple game. It's usually a bit easier to sort of fold these things in um, as like new features. Um, I'm super excited about pass through. Um, so, so a bit over a week ago, I launched the pass through update for, for cubism. So you can actually like play these puzzles in your actual living room space. Um, but I've been playing around with the, the pass through API, um, a little bit, uh, in the last few months. And I'm very excited for the features that will be coming to it, um, you know, at some point in the near future. Um, Oculus, they have announced this sort of a system where instead of drawing a guardian space, you'd sort of map out your entire room, you know, say like, this is where the walls are. This is where my couch is. This is where, um, the table is. Um, and I'm super excited for systems like that. I really think there's like games, whole different game types that you could design around that. And I'm, I'm really excited to start prototyping around uh, these type of systems as well. So in terms of sort of what's next, um, there's definitely still a few small updates that I want to do for Cubism and the level editor and things like this, but I'm very excited about um, being able to build with these new features and explore some some new ideas. So, If I was Oculus, you'd be the first person I'd be giving new ideas to and be going, hey, we're thinking about <laughs> yeah. doing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You seem to be mastering pretty much everything we can throw at you you know no yeah. i i I love the fact that you're this involved and we've seen it numerous times with people who have put out a game that theoretically if it's they done. wanted to it's done nobody would say anything yeah, if they just you know disappeared into the wind or <laughs> made just a new started game working or... on another project but it's like the passion that that you guys have for what you've put out is is a little above i think what I think what people would really know, you know, and again, it's easy as the consumer to sit here and buy the end result of somebody's work, but not really understand that every single day of their life, they're still thinking and working and, mm-hmm. and making improvements. And um, I'm sure you see pass through and you're thinking it's not just one idea. It's a hundred different ideas of, oh my God, there's so much I can do with this. Limitless, you know, potential. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah again, yeah. as the consumer, we're just like, oh, you know, what's this pass through and what's it going to do for you? <laughs> And, and no, it's, it's super fascinating. I think I'm sorry to cut in. Just no, no, I think no that, worries uh, at Cubism is sort of a, um, it's it's nice and pass through. Um, it definitely, uh, you know, if if you have like pets or kids or something like this, like it's nice to be able to keep an eye on on your your situation um, while you're playing and things like this. It's a nice to have, but it's not designed for it. Uh, and there's so many cool game types that you could build specifically for pass through that I think. We're going to see some really interesting things in, in like the coming year as this uh, feature starts rolling out. Um, there have been like some some small things I've been testing with, uh, and usually I just try to post them on Twitter as quickly as possible, just because 
it's it's a back and forth, right? Like you can make these prototypes, but then you see how how enthusiastic can people get about something, or how interested are them, and then you see if there's value in like uh, exploring it further. But um, as I mentioned, like Oculus is going to come out with these tools where you can map your room, um, and because I was so interested in that, I sort of built my own tools to <laughs> do that, um, just to sort of experiment with it. Um, it's very rudimentary, but I had to have this like little system where I can draw the box in in my living room and sort of put the boxes around, uh, you know, tables and couches and stuff like this. And all I've done with it so far is just replace sort of the walls with something else, you know, a different environment. But that already feels like so compelling that you can just walk around in your actual space um, and have this virtual space outside of it. Um, yeah, I'm just super excited to, to work with that in the future. Yeah, I, I love the concept of bringing the two worlds together yeah, I in think- a way that doesn't kill the immersion for... For the VR experience. Yeah. I'm not a big fan yeah. of horror games because I'm kind of a wuss, but I think that th- that, w- that horror games are probably where that's going to show the most. You know, you have a demon pop out in your living room. You're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that. I think. <laughs> no, me neither. I, yeah. I can't do the horror and, and scary games. I'm a, I'm a wuss. I can do them flat screen, but there's something about, uh, with it's, the headset on like, no nope. the immersion. Yep. The music going on. Yeah, nope. Yeah. Nope. Count me out. <laughs> what, I, what I find funny is when people have, scary experiences in vr like the one thing they don't do is just close their eyes yeah it's like take, i've seen people right. run around rooms run into walls never run into balls but never or how about just, just take off the headset yeah yeah close yeah. the eyes i took off, off my headset playing walking dead once because i was fighting zombies yeah. one way and then i got attacked from behind and i went nope i'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, uh, uh, so i can't really deal with it very well um so some games I can and some games I can't, you know? Like, I played through Resident Evil uh, 4 on Quest recently, and that was fine, maybe because it's, like, low fidelity enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I once played um, Resident Evil 7 at a friend's house, and you have that... I don't know if you've ever tried this, but at the start of the game, you have to go into this spooky house, and, like, that's where I put the headset off, you know? <laughs> like, it was too much already. Like, it was a little it was a little too immersive, you know what I mean? So, yep, yeah. no, I, I, I get it 100%. Oh, and we're just at the... Uh, for the everybody leather across stage. the board yeah it's like the <laughs> development it's it's gonna get scary like like legit scary five mm-hmm. years from now it's like the good will be good but the scary is gonna be i think some next level fear oh yeah so I, I i think i heard you reference that you design in unity for this game right that, that's correct yeah, uh, yeah. is that primarily what you use or do you play with other programs too um it's it's all unity for me um it's yeah, it's what I've been using for games uh, since the start, um, and what I used in my previous job as well. Um, like that software that I was working on uh, at the, the startup where I worked. Um, this was all also Unity, so it's uh, yeah, it's. I think most people are either using Unity or Unreal, right? So it's uh, for me. It was um, when I started. I just picked this because it seemed to be the more popular one, and there were a few more resources. Um, and I mean, it, it also seems right now that that was a good choice because um, a lot of SDKs and, uh, you know, new features are usually first coming out for Unity uh, before Unreal, like Astro is an example, actually. So. Yeah, and as somebody who doesn't design games by any means, it seems like it, Unity's a little bit easier for the Oculus to handle than Unreal. Um, it, Unity seems to be um, the more popular <laughs> choice by, by pretty much every developer we've talked to. Yeah. Yeah, they all seem to like I don't think I've Unity. talked to any that... Are, are sporting unreal no the only ones i've seen do unreal are like the big studios yeah. it seems like for most you know well you have a team of mm-hmm. 300 yeah, yeah. makes well, sense for, but you for can, most you can make indie games on on unreal pretty well i just i personally don't have experience with it but um puzzling places for example that's made in unreal engine so and that's also you know a small indie team 
Oh no shit. Okay. Okay. It's always yeah, it's, nice when somebody has has a a case point uh, to counter retort. Well, yeah, we're not. We're not. We talk about the games. games. We don't design yeah. them. You know. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. That's it's not a thing. But it's uh, it's 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 also a very accessible engine. It's just I think there's just a bigger audience using Unity. So you know by um, by that fact, yeah, can you just find more you know um, tutorials online or YouTube videos if you're stuck on something. So it's yeah, it's, oh, it's I, useful <laughs> as a developer. Absolutely. And you referenced you used it in your, your past work. So I know you said you started, you know, VR development in 2016. Were you using Unity long before that too? Or did you start um, that around the 2016 time? Um, around 2015, 2016. Um, I think I tried it once before while I was still in university, but that was like, so Unity has had many versions over the years. Um, so this was like a way early version uh, that I just, yeah, it was a little hard to use. Um, and actually, like I think an important change in Unity that really helped a lot of indie developers uh, sort of uh, get their start is that in 2015, I think it was 2015, it became free. Like before you had a free version and then a pro version, which was uh, like the free version was pretty limited, but then they just sort of made it free. Uh, and same with Unreal in 2015, which is also sort of when I started going to game jams and started, you know, sort of dipping my toes in the water of, of developing for VR. Um, so I, th- I think that's sort of the case for a lot of, of uh, game developers that they got their start around this time where it just became a little bit easier to get access to the tools, you know? So obviously every developer wants their game to be successful. You you want everybody to love it. But was your end game always that I'm going to be a game developer full time and hopefully this this is the one that's going to do it for me? Or was <laughs> this just organically like... I actually didn't plan on being a full-time game developer, but this path has now pulled me in that direction. It, yeah, that's it's kind of the latter, actually. Um, when I first got started in VR, the thing that drove me was um, mostly what VR could do for architecture. Um, so maybe a little context there, like uh, um, the startup where I worked is called uh, Resolve, and it's basically these... Um, design review tools for architects and engineers to sort of look at buildings before they're built and finding issues. Um, and that was something that was super interesting to me as an architect um, because I was really interested in how VR as a medium could be used to sort of improve the design process and improve communication uh, around the, the design process and make it more, you know, human-centered, you know, instead of looking at a, a building when you design it from, you know, this abstract perspective of a plan or something like this, you can look at it from a human perspective, right? Um and actually like walk through it and, and find these issues that you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, I thought that was like a super fascinating problem. And that was definitely my first drive into VR. And um, games were just sort of this hobby <laughs> that that I enjoyed doing and that, you know, I had a lot of like friends that were making games and stuff like this. So it was just um, interesting to stay involved with that. Um, the switch to like full-time game development kind of came after Cubism launched even. Um, so it was it was this hobby project for a long time, and then at some point, like close to the launch, I, I was doing like four days for for the startup and then one day for Cubism, um, and I sort of kept at that for maybe two or three months after the launch. Uh, but then I just felt there's like too much to do with Cubism uh, in the updates I wanted to do. Like for example, I launched without hand tracking, and I wanted to do a hand tracking update, and I knew that was going to take you know a lot of effort and a lot of time. So just going full-time just made more sense uh, to be able to sort of fully dedicate my time to this game and, and to make the updates as good as I could make them. So um, 
and I really enjoy <laughs> making games full time now. Like it's, it's, you know, it's very lucky I can do this. Um, but it, yeah, uh, it almost feels selfish to say it, right. It wasn't like the driving force between like to, to, to get like a full time, to be able to full, work full time on a game. It's just something I'm very lucky to be able to do. Um, yeah. So <laughs> No, oh, I, I, I've, I, ha- I've had somebody very successful tell me before that when you chase the money, oftentimes you end up with nothing. When you do it because of the love, you know, success money will come. come. Yeah. yeah, success right, will right. come as the result yeah. of doing stuff you love. Some, sometimes when you chase the money, you, you know, you cut corners because, ah, now it's not profitable, you know, whatever, versus just, fuck it, do it. Do it because you love <laughs> it, and then people are going to buy it because it's a great product, and then, you know. Yeah, and I think... I think people are smart enough to see through shoddiness or, you know, jankiness or I haven't, I personally haven't, I think I struggle to find somebody that even has something bad to say about the game itself. No, it's, it's one of the most popular puzzle games for good reason. And like, I would love to do the pass through mode more with this game, but you created such a beautiful atmosphere with it, with the nice (laughs) ambiance and the the music. It's like, (laughs) I, I almost don't, you know, then I'm sitting in my bedroom it's like all right, you know, I like. I think I like the the ambiance more, you know. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's at so, least uh, like it's been a good response now for um because sometimes people ask like oh you know it'd be nice if you could have like a beach environment or something like this and uh, I always sort of deflected that before but now I can just say you can just go to the beach and, <laughs> you know yeah. put on the and, uh, <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. there you go once they have uh you know updated hardware with you know color pass through that's going to be the the absolute game changer. Um, but so since sure. you've become, become a full-time, you know, developer, uh, do you still game at all? Or is it one of those things where, you know, you're developing <laughs> with it so much, the last thing you want to do is put on a headset and, you know, go play the latest, latest craze. I, I do game. Um, I try to at least, um, and I kind of find that the, for the most part, I mainly play VR games. Um, it's just, you know, nice to see what's, what's coming out on the store, um, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just also the funnest games, you know. <laughs> and it's it's also like the the convenience of the the convenience of the quest is sort of similar to the convenience of like the switch or something, you know. You can just grab it and play something real quick. Where you know on PC, I just I don't know. I don't want to like set up turn on the PC. And, yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Deal with the crash to um, desktop. Oh my god, why is this not working? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, quest is so much easier. Um, and it's also like if you just want to like hop into a game for fifteen minutes and relax like there's there's so many good options on quests um and you know you're just fully immersed like it's it's perfect i think so no i i wish people could see the the amount of dust on my consoles since yeah, i got it, the quest <laughs> vr has killed my my P- love of pc and platform gaming yeah i could still do it it's still fun but like i do okay. it to fall asleep <laughs> that's messed up <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Well, here's the thing. It takes at this point in time, I'm pretty spoiled with console gaming. You know, we've hit a pretty high level with it. You know, oftentimes it's I don't know. There's nothing new about it. There's nothing that really there's no wow factor versus I put on a, a headset, press power, and then simply picking something up and looking at it is even fun. You're just like, wow, look at the detail on this object. Oh, yeah. Like was staring at your hands in a game. Yeah. Just looking at your hands. You pick up a box of cigarettes and you're like, wow, <laughs> this game's so cool. It's like that would be unbelievably boring in a console. But yeah, in VR, yeah. everything is just so much more fun. Immersion. Yeah. The exactly. Yeah. And I agree. Being able to just, you know, put on a headset, no wires, nothing, no setup. It's a game changer. Uh so what games have you been enjoying recently? 
Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, I recently played through Resident Evil uh, 4, which was I had never played it before, so it was actually my first time playing that game. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. It really is having a campaign, like having a full game like this, it, it is quite nice, you know. Um, and um, I get it when people say like, oh, we need more like AAA games. Like, yeah, okay. It is kind of nice to be able to sit down with something like this and then sort of uh, enjoy it for a long time. Um, yeah, there's other than that, like just games to sort of jump in and, and relax. I, I really like uh, Walkabout Mini Golf um, and and Golf Plus. Like they're they're both like really good games to if you want to just meet up with a friend and, and have a chat or something. I think that's like they're perfect games for that. Um, if I just want to like relax a little bit, I I really like um, Carve Snowboarding. I think it's a bit of a like a, an underrated gem on the quest. Um, you know, it it has good sides and bad sides, but like just uh, have you played this game? Um, no, I haven't, but I have. Um, yeah. It's 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 on our ever growing list of games. <laughs> yeah. We we go to chip away at this yeah. list, and for some reason, it seems like we review one game, and now all of a sudden, there's two more games the on list the list. Gets bigger, <laughs> bigger, yeah. bigger, bigger. But it's it's definitely we've growing. had yeah, yeah yeah we've had a lot of people uh, recommend it on our subreddit. It seems like everybody who plays it for the most part loves it. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's definitely on the up up to the top of our must play. It's it, it's one of these games that gets um, you know like game feel right like when you're just going down the the mountain with like um, these soundtracks that you find in the game you find these like mixtapes and they're really good songs usually so you can just throw on a mixtape and go down a mountain and do like time attack it's it's super relaxing so it's yeah it, it feels great to play. Oh, I'm I'm always amazed at what I enjoy in VR versus what I enjoyed outside VR like uh, on console <laughs> gaming PC gaming I always liked single player rpg experiences that was always my thing hmm. uh i wasn't really a huge fan of golfing in real life not that i disliked it it's just i never really did it uh didn't play much ping pong uh you know right. but i do these things in vr and i freaking love them uh same thing with puzzle games i didn't play a whole bunch of puzzle games on consoles or anything on that like that but i put on a headset i've loved every single puzzle game i played mm-hmm. and it's like it's you in VR, it's, you know, drop all prior preconceptions of what genres you like, you know, what you like right, in a video yeah. game. It's a completely whole new whole new thing. Absolutely, yeah. I, for example, I wasn't that big into shooters either before, but, like, actually, I kind of enjoy, like, uh, you know, it, it is also just something nice to jump in and, and have, you know, a bit of fun and just no. let off some steam. Uh, you know, shooters in VR, there are a lot of good ones. Um, no, I'm, so, I'm the same same exact way. I hate shooters yeah. on consoles. It's so boring to me. I can play like one round and I'm like, done. Meanwhile, me and yeah, him yeah. play Population 1 every single night. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta do it's a been a while rounds. since I played, but that was one that I played a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when we first got that, that was, that be, that was way too addicting. Yeah. Way too addictive. I like the fact that you play the walkabout mini golf. Great game. Golf plus. Great yeah. game. Great studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and those all have that. Um, those all have that really good social aspect of them too. Mm-hmm. That's one thing yeah. I've noticed compared to like, and I'm not knocking other online communities, but the VR community is a lot less toxic than the overall communities I've seen with other games. You just get crucified going into a, <laughs> you know, yeah. going into to any sort of chat with anybody. Where people in VR yeah, sure. seem to want other people to to do well and have fun, and you know, maybe still take an ass kicking now and then. But so, um, yeah, yeah. So Thomas, remind me when did you launch your game onto the Oculus Quest Store? Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was uh, September of 2020, so it's been out for a bit over a year. Okay, nice, and still still pumping yeah. out updates. So if you don't yeah, mind telling yeah. us, what was that process like? Uh, you know, as your first game, you're you know you're publishing and everything like that. What was that like getting it onto the Oculus Quest store? I don't think there's App Lab yet or anything like that. So that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this was back in the day where you had to submit a pitch documents uh, to Oculus, right? Like they um, when they first launched Quest One, um, they said like, okay. We're going to curate the store, but uh, to try to get on it, you have to send this like little PDF where you sort of pitch the game to us before you even start developing. Um, and that was their way to sort of uh, choose who, sort of pick and choose who, who could get onto the store or not. Um, uh, yeah, so I remember submitting that, um, I think in January of 2020, um, sort of a Hail Mary, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, and then it got accepted after after. Uh, I think like three or four weeks, um, to my surprise. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was also like the big motivator to go and finish the game. Uh, <laughs> you know, as I said, it was sort of a hobby project for a long time. And like the thing with hobby projects that you do on a weekend is that you never really know where to like put the finish line, you know? Um, <laughs> so now there was like this really good reason, right? Like they, they accepted it on the quest store and then you know, they, they sort of assign like a, an account manager to you and you, you know, sort of coordinate with them. Okay, when do you think you might be able to launch it? Like uh, what do you still have to do for it? So it's sort of this organizing force <laughs> of like, okay, let's make a list of, you know, what needs to be done and, you know, what features can be cut. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that really helped sort of um, work towards the finish line. Um, but yeah, so that was a very, very busy year <laughs> because it was still like a hobby project, well, a weekend project for a long time of that for you know, a lot of that sort of those final months of development. Um, but it was, yeah, it was very hectic, but very, it, it helped like organize things a lot and sort of prioritize things a lot too. Um, like one of the big things that needs to happen in the, those last few months um, was sort of playtesting the puzzles. Uh, like one of the, the more difficult things I found with the game is sort of getting the difficulty curve right with, uh, with the puzzles because people's, you know, how easy or how difficult a puzzle is, is very different depending on who's playing. Um, so it's really hard to evaluate, like, what's a good order of puzzles so people don't get too frustrated too quickly before they're sort of hooked on the game to sort of want to spend more time on, like, the more difficult puzzles. Um, so, you know, I was organizing a lot of playtests and sort of doing a lot of, like, data-driven uh, puzzle playtesting where I was just gathering a lot of anonymous data on, you know, the average solve times for puzzles or... Um, the average solve rates or, you know, how many moves people would make to, to solve a puzzle. So we would get this sort of broader view of like, or a more objective view of like, okay, this puzzle is really difficult or this puzzle is really simple, which really helped me sort of organize uh, sort of the, the first campaign, the, the first volume. Um, yeah, that was a lot. Uh, that That's where sort of most of the work went in that the final stretch of sort of finishing the game before launch. I love that. It, nobody's really... Everything it sounds like with Oculus is that they're just very professional at what they do and they want they want everyone to succeed when they come on board with putting a game in their store. It's not like I don't know. Their their review process seems to be pretty legit, even mm -hmm. in today's standards. Yeah, the only criticism I've heard anybody have is, you know, stuck on App Lab. But that's you know That's a different subject. That's a we long conversation all day anyway. about App Lab. Yeah. <laughs> that one irritates the hell yeah. out of me. It's not well, fair. <laughs> overall, what's the the process been like to you know to work with Oculus, you know, A in the, the lead up to to getting released, but also post release, you know, with these updates. Um and what's the feedback been like on the quest versus 
you know, on Steam. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, the game has been mainly successful in quests on Steam <laughs> and Rift. Honestly, there isn't much of an audience. Um, so I do try to keep those games up to date as best as I can. But, uh, you know, it just makes more sense to focus on quests because that's honestly probably like 98% of the audience. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, working with Oculus has been really good um, in my experience, at least. Like, uh, uh, obviously, like I, even though now I have like a you know a, 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 like a developer relations manager and things like this, like somebody to talk to, I still don't know everything that's going on. You know, like I usually still find out you know new features or new headsets uh, <laughs> as they as they are sort of announced. So it's it it wasn't something where suddenly like all the doors were open <laughs> and and suddenly yeah. I knew like what their roadmap was for, you know, in, you know, for the next year, uh, that's definitely not the case, but, you know, they've been really, really uh, supportive and helpful. Uh, and uh, I have a really good, like uh, DevRel manager um, and she's been really helpful in, in sort of being the, the liaison between me and like, you know, the other teams in Oculus. So um, yeah, they've been, they've been really great. Um, and they've been really supportive actually in the last few years as well, in terms of helping promote the game. Um, like they, uh, they sort of helped make a new trailer for the game. Um, which is live on the store right now. It's this mixed reality trailer. Um, so yeah, that was super nice of them to, to sort of work with me on, on making stuff like that. So, well, I, I think that's just a uh, part of producing a good good content. You know, you're well, you're no, up to date on new features. You know, you're pushing out a good product. I, I think that's what Oculus looks for. You know, no, and I love hearing that they're not as. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's it's a corporation, and but you got to mm-hmm. figure every single game developer has their own liaison assigned to them that's their go-to person i mean they're just they're involved it's like yeah and you got under i i get why they don't suddenly open up the doors to you know every single developer on the official store then all of a sudden everything's leaking out suddenly you know (laughs) (laughs) which i can also get why it's frustrating for people you know stuck on app lab or something like it's um i mean i think they are still they're continuously like improving their their green light process and figuring out how to do this better and uh, how to like curate contents more efficiently. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, everybody makes mistakes or sometimes things, good things get missed as well, but uh, um, they are pretty good about, I do think they, they like figure out which games are growing an audience or are doing something special and then sort of getting those people onto the store uh, themselves. Like it's, yeah, my, my experience has been pretty good. Yeah, I know people love to be hit and trendy and, and talk crap about Facebook, or should I say meta and whatnot. And it's meta. like, oh, evil, <laughs> evil Facebook, whatever. But yeah, yeah. realistically, from my experience of observing VR, it really seems like mm. Oculus has the best interest of the VR industry. Everybody. It's not like they're just sitting here screwing over indie developers or anything like that. It's, they seem They seem like they actually care about VR. So we haven't had a developer... Say, say anything. a single bad yeah, thing like hey you know and it's not like this scared like um um no <laughs> there, was some, there was some honesty yeah, yeah. with the amount of legwork that they had to do yeah. and improve marketing and then future and and you know but that's the that's the reality of the business that's what people need to hear it's like this is an up-and-coming um side of the industry which is kind of my lead into the next question that I'll, i've always got to ask a developer now is I see there's going to be more and more interest into the VR, the world from all different angles, from, from, you know, professional to gaming. What's the best advice you could probably drop on somebody? And I'm sure you'll probably get this a million times in your life now is like, Hey, I want to grow up and and design in VR. You know, like what's the best advice? Is it school? Is it just, Hey, 
start watching those <laughs> online videos. Yep. I mean, go do unity tutorials. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I'm not yeah, encouraging yeah. <laughs> people not go to school or whatever, but I mean, in, in all honesty, like what's the best, yeah. the best approach. There's, I mean, there's no, there's no one, <laughs> one direction to like making games, right? Like uh, the, the nice thing is that all these tools are now available. So you can just like download, um, download unity or unreal and start, start working on stuff. And that's, that's definitely like something I would recommend. Like if you want to make games or want to work in VR, um, just start making small games and, you know, follow a simple tutorial. And um, if you can try to do some game gens and, and hackathons and start working on tiny projects. Um, but, you know, for some people it's easier to like follow a course or, or go to school and that's still the, uh, you know, for, for game design and that's totally a valid path to, to sort of learning those skills as well. But I think the, the important parts, uh, whether you're like teaching yourself or, or, following a course um, is to make stuff, I think. Uh, and to like put stuff out there. Like if you make a tiny game jam game, you know, put it on h.io, tweet about it, uh, put it on Reddit. Um, it's it's going to help you like uh, sort of get feedback early on, on the ideas that you're putting out there and, and sort of help you learn, okay, what's a good way to communicate about my game? What's a good way to see whether there's interest for the game that I'm working on or the idea that I want to work on? Because um, I think that's, just as important the skill to hone as like game design itself is um, talking about your game and, and putting it out there. So the, the, the marketing, the marketing, the, the aspect, yeah, nobody, you know, everybody, everybody hates it, but it's necessary evil in in every industry. Well, you know, it's crazy. It's just like anything else also in life is there's people who have made games, but it'll never go that next level to let anybody see it. Cause yeah, they're to never publish pleased. It. it happens in all, all businesses, even podcasting. People will do podcasts, but they'll never release an episode because they're scared to go over that, that hump. What are people going to think or what are they going to say? Or, you know, are people going to judge my game where, where that advice you right. gave is, you know, start creating content, and put just it, publish it, publish it and get it out there. Yeah, and, yeah. and you never know what comes out of it. You know, sometimes some things will stick and some things won't, and you can learn from, from all of it. Um, and, and definitely doing game jams. I mean, because I started doing this pre-pandemic, <laughs> so it's it's very different giving this advice now, and I I don't quite know like what's what the best approach is in in you know the new world. <laughs> but um, uh, pre-pandemic doing game jams was super super helpful because you know one you get to work with all these other like talented people with very different backgrounds and very different talents, and you you learn how to work and coordinate with everyone. You learn how to like pitch ideas. And especially with game jams, which are you know usually forty eight hours over a weekend, you learn how to like scope a, a, an idea. Like, okay, we have to finish this in forty eight hours, so it's got to stay simple. It's got to stay focused on like one one idea or one like core concept. Um, and then the best thing about game jams is also that they end right. Like <laughs> after forty eight hours, like you're done, and you get to move on to the next project. So you get to sort of you know all the good and the bad things. You can leave those behind and take those uh, learnings to like the next thing. And I think that's being able to quit your first few tiny projects is uh, an important part of learning, I think, as well. So, no, I think oh, that's a, a perfect answer. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so, Thomas, you know, besides de- designing games, constantly, you know, working on the new features pumping out, uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, is it play other games like we were kind of talked about before? You know, you like mm-hmm. to hike. You know, what what are some of your hobbies besides just game design? Or you just you yeah, know. Yeah all crabs in the bucket, you know, that's it. You, know, you just, you design <laughs> games morning to night. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoy games and, uh, and designing uh, VR and stuff like it was a hobby before. So it's uh now that it's a full-time job, you gotta like remind yourself to do other stuff as well. 
<laughs> but um I, I yeah i like i like to hike i like to travel um um yeah i like to visit museums or play music i, I play a little bit of guitar uh play a little bit of piano um so yeah nice that's that was, yeah. <laughs> I, was take, I always take notes on our always uh, take notes on i guess yeah it's at, <laughs> it's, it's easy to forget because in my head all programmers just they're stuck at their they're stuck in a, a box somewhere they're programming. So it's the real life touch of, nah, man, we like to more and more of developers, I think actually enjoy going outside more than people who don't yeah. do game development yeah, who yeah, force yeah. themselves to stay inside. Cause <laughs> I've had many an answer be like, Oh hell no. We, we go outside. We, we hike. Picnics, Hiking is like one of the most common answers. Play golf. And I'm like, damn, well, you know, half my friends don't go outside yeah. and half as much <laughs> as the people who are like, putting out content that would make sense to me yeah. that if they were stuck inside yeah. and <laughs> honestly really. like bef before i was working as an architect then games was sort of the hobby and the thing that um you know i try to like uh, associate myself with or like uh, get involved with um in my spare time now it's sort of the reverse you know i i <laughs> i work in, in vr and stuff but being able to go you know see buildings and, and visit <laughs> things like that's <laughs> that's the thing that's interesting now like to try and do uh, in my spare time so yeah you still have a soft spot for architecture yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that would be a uh, that would be a really fun VR game. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it already. <laughs> I heard. Yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah, excited sure. for City Skylines. Uh, by the way, so yeah, I, I I saw that was announced like what like a month month and a half ago. It's gonna be right, fun yeah, to yeah. to build to build like that, but to actually be able to you know block by block build. Uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, we're going down a whole different path. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah. Thomas, you, you know, you know. The developer life is busy, you know, we're hitting almost an hour. That's usually about the time that I like to aim for, um, you know, before we wrap things up, because I know you guys are are busy as developers and stuff. Uh, I, we appreciate you taking, you know, almost an hour of your time to come on here as well. Uh, but do you want to promote your game a little bit before we, we wrap it up again? Let our viewers know the name, uh, yeah, sure. you know, what, what platforms it's supported on. I know there's not too many people using the Rift and stuff like that, but, you know. Let them know what yeah, headsets there's, there's still on. someone out there. <laughs> yeah, maybe some online yeah, yeah, communities yeah. you have have going on. Anything like that? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the game is Cubism. If you like uh, puzzle games or just want something to like relax with, um, or you're looking for a simple like introductory game for somebody who's just starting with VR or with games, um, I think I think it could be a good option. Um, you can find it on Steam and Rifts, uh, and you can also find it on Quest. And if you play it on Quest, you can play with experimental hand tracking or in pass through. Um, like the most new features are going to be on Quest. So if you have the if you have the options, uh, definitely check it out on Quest first. Um, and yeah, if you want updates on the game um, on Twitter, uh, we're Cubism uh, VR, uh, one word. Uh, or you can find me um, uh, Toe Van Bo. That's T O V N V A N B O. Um, and that's usually the first place that I, I post updates about the game or, you know, like gifts or stuff from the development or any new prototypes I'm, I'm working on. That's, that's where you can find it. No. And I'll, I'll say anybody who uses Twitter, he's definitely a fun follow because if Oculus pumps out a new feature of hardware, <laughs> I've said a hundred times <laughs> already on it, dude, within a week, you'll be, you know, check out this. I think I saw you posting like, uh, maybe like a week ago, you were like dragging the, the cubism box like in the pass-through <laughs> zone onto your table. You're like, look, now I can make it interact with real objects in the real world. I was like, dude, right. this guy is always on it. That, that was a hack. Just the, yeah, <laughs> just that, that just was probably like part of your, yeah, yeah. that was part of your, that, with your mapping yeah. tool, right? 
Well, well, so this is anticipating Oculus's mapping tool, actually. So um, <laughs> right, right now, right now, if you set the floor level of your guardian space to your table, this is the hack. Like you shouldn't do this, but for Cubism, <laughs> if you do that, you can you can drag the puzzle down and like the menu will lay itself flat, so you can actually interact. It's not super consistent, but you can interact with your hands on the table and get that sort of force feedback. Um, but in the near future, when you're able to map out your room, you should be able to just drag it, you know, keep your guardian normal <laughs> and just drag down the puzzle in any surface and play it like that. It's, it's, a, it's a genius hack, though. Yeah, no, like I said, anybody who's on Twitter, if you want <laughs> not to, that you should do it. If you want to see some cool development <laughs> tricks and some whatever, whatever features are pumping out, you know, Thomas is Thomas is the guy to follow. No, we put Cubism as a, a must own. It's a must own, you know, game to have in your repertoire of experiences, especially like he had mentioned you get somebody new to VR, they might not. The roller coaster killed my stomach the first time I did it. That was my first ever VR. Which I've heard a lot of people, that's their first one. Yeah, it's not free. the one to go to. You know, take more of the cubism route yep. where, you know, use the brain more than the stomach to to try to enjoy the, the experience. But no, it's been, it's been awesome to just talk to the developers. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, in awe every time. It's like. It. You guys are some of the most humble human beings. Yeah, just pump out some of the like, greatest. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm just one guy, you know. It's normal. Just pumped out a, a, a very <laughs> some successful of the, some game. Some of the on best the content we've ever um, gotten to experience is our studios. You know, all less than ten. No, and I'm I'm definitely excited for any other future games that you pump out. You mm-hmm. know, I I understand yeah, if you don't yeah. want to talk about you know any any ideas that you got going, but I think as we see you know hardware grow and also the software with more features, I think. You know, future games from Thomas are going to be a, a must watch. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I really so. appreciate that. Um, so yeah, thank if, you again. If for I t- have any new prototypes, I'll let you know for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, no, def- definitely. You drop you have, you drop anything, or you're ready to talk about anything. We'll have you back on in a in a heartbeat. Oh, I don't care what the nice. genre either. Could yeah. be anything. It's like you know that the 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 technology is going to be used, and this is somebody who you know again is has made something that could have been. F- We'll just leave it alone. It's fine. But yep. nope, I, I know that I can do this now. So screw it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's like, come on. This is good. All right. This is real good. So definitely, really definitely. Uh, so if you've played Cubism, like we always say, be, f- be sure to drop it a five star review on the Oculus Quest store. You know, that helps the developer so much. And if you haven't played Cubism yet and you like puzzle games, that's definitely a must own. So I hope you guys enjoyed this, you know, today's episode and check us out Wednesday where for reviewing the climb too, another good little that's, i won't say relaxing that's the opposite scary. of relaxing that's a yeah make your hands driven. sweat but you need cubism after that to, <laughs> to go to bed it's a good one it's so. a good one-two punch like that <laughs> yeah all right so stay tuned for wednesday guys